I'm a humble man. Did you feel you don't belong? I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us, and we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful, and my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can see. One lacking pain. What you we are. Doing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Please let me know if you can hear me okay. I had a graphics card update today, and everything, uh, you know, I, I have no idea. I don't. I, you know, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, everyone can hear the sound of my voice clearly. There's no distortion. I'm not too quiet. Uh, I just I want to know. Yep. Cool. All right, let's rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, it's not going to be that fucking exciting. Uh, we're going to creep the fuck out of you tonight. That's the main goal uh, for the t tonight's show. Uh, you are listening to episode 113. Jesus, we got here fast, didn't we? Anyways, uh, the title of tonight's show is What Dreams May Come, and everything we're going to talk about tonight is going to be sleep or dream related. So, uh, if those of you are uh, nervous and uh, you know worried you might not sleep well tonight, well, too bad. Stick around anyways. Uh, thank you to everybody that's in the chat that I see right now. I'm going to give my shout-outs real quick. Uh, I see a taco. I see an onion. I see a hog. I see a sailor. I see a sim. Um, I see a, a, a Bryce. It's like the most normal name that I've listed off. <laughs> Uh, but thank you guys, all of you that have joined me that I see. Uh, if you're in the chat and you are hiding, please, you know, feel free to say hello. Most of us don't bite. And those of us that do bite, we usually wait for, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, an invitation. Um, yes, a wild Bryce has appeared. Wild and Bryce are two words that I would never put together other than right now. <laughs> A wild Bryce was a wild Bryce appeared. Uh, I used gosh and darn, and it was super effective. <laughs> All right, so it feels like it's been been a while, um, which it kind of has. Uh, last week we premiered uh, Sims' new show, uh, Cult of Odd presents Case Closed, in which we talked about the uh, the Chris and Shanann Watts case. Um, it is up on YouTube right now. So if you uh, feel like you need more odd in your life after the show ends tonight, by all means, head over to YouTube and watch that. Also, too, we've been putting up videos from that Taylor Swift reaction stream that I did. Um, they're doing actually pretty well. So, you know, if Taylor Swift might not be your thing, maybe you just want to hang around for my jackassy commentary. Who knows? 
I don't know. I don't know what you're into. But anyways, uh, so go check it out on YouTube. Um, or for the rest of you, uh, uh, the Chris Watts episode is up on all major podcast platforms. So you can check that out there. Um, it is episode one. So what's going to happen? And I said this last week, and I'm going to keep reiterating it for a little bit until you guys get used to it, is you're going to get a cult of odd. You're going to get a Cult of Odd Presents Case Closed. Then you're going to get another Cult of Odd, and then you're going to get another Cult of Odd Presents Case Closed. So it's going to be boom, boom, boom. As of right now, every Wednesday, we will be here. And if for some reason Cult of Odd proper, like we don't have a show ready, or for some reason Case Closed doesn't have a show ready, we will still be here. We will probably grab all of my rowdy friends in from Discord and we'll sit and we'll just have a fucking show where we all sit and talk to each other. Uh, If you've ever been in a Discord call with me, you already know what kind of fucking shit show that can turn into. So, you know... uh, (laughs) <laughs> keep your fingers crossed that we keep having content ready to go. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, Rob, I understand you completely. That is a, I don't even have children, and that is a very rough case for even me. So uh, I uh, I understand completely um, where you're coming from. But uh you know, uh, there'll be others. Um, and that's the problem though, too, is a lot of cases, you know, that have made national news when it comes to true crime and stuff like that. They, they do unfortunately involve kids. We're also probably gonna try and put together a show on, on child trafficking and whatnot and talk about it. I have a a friend of mine who actually has done some work in, in trafficking, human trafficking in general. Um, and uh he'd be interested in in coming on and talking to us about it so you know stay tuned there's there's so much more to come um last week while i was uh you know fucking around i guess um i came up with a new merch design um our coffee mugs were bothering me because of the way it positioned the the image on the mug and i was like you know i need to come up with a design or something that's going to stretch across the mug properly so this this is what I've come up with, and um, I, I, it's, it's got all the cryptids and everything on it. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and then, so, no, it's not. Unfortunately, the, the, the site that I use does not have that as a, as an ability. But as you can see there, um, it is a much better look for our coffee mugs. So um, I'm going to keep that in mind when we put up designs and and stuff to to try to make sure that there is uh, a special area just for coffee mugs and whatnot. Because, like I said, it it, it puts the image on there weird, and and I'm not happy with it. But for right now, that's that's what we're running with, and uh, I like it. I, I was sitting there and I like after I designed it I was like I know I've seen this somewhere and I started like looking online and I could not think of the type of style that that was right like I have no idea what that style is called uh, but I've seen it a bunch um, so anyways I made that and put it up there and it's available now if you want to go pick it up uh, you know 
merch is always the best way to show your appreciation to me in my opinion because you get something out of it too beyond just watching the show so um as i stated tonight's episode is going to be about uh your dreams and and sleep and all the creepy stuff that goes along with that um so we have a good amount so let's just jump into it uh thank you once again to everyone that's joining me and here we go um so we're all familiar with the idea of uh creepy dream demons right like we all grew up watching uh horror movies and stuff like that where there there were there were antagonists who could uh affect you while you were asleep uh the biggest one that most people know is freddy krueger um, and, and there's the old adage too, that, you know, when you, uh, when you die in your dreams, you die in the waking world that I don't know necessarily if it's true or not. <laughs> now the chick that climbs out of the TV. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I have, I have had dreams that have felt very real. Um, I have had dreams where I have woke up in emotional distress from what was happening in the dream i've had dreams where like i hurt myself like i i banged my shin on a coffee table or um you know i violently had my arm ripped off and when i woke up um from those dreams respectively like my shin actually hurt and my fucking shoulder hurt um so like there there is something to be said for the power that your mind has over your body and your subconscious has over your body. One of the, the things that has intrigued me, and I, I, I forget which one is first. Hold on, let me look. Um, so where are we here? Oh, no, she moved it around. That's what she did. Didn't, didn't, oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I feel like... I feel like something is missing. Um, I can't find the main thing that we were supposed to be talking about. Well, there, there, there were the two... Did you just roll everything in together? Because that's the top for me. Okay. Yeah, it didn't mark for some reason the guidelines for me. All right. Don't ever use the bathroom in your dream. That is correct. Yes, 100%. Because when you poop that? in your dreams, you poop in the real no, world. Who said that? Uh, Rob did. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I When I was younger, I, I had an issue with bedwetting. You know? and, and I trained my brain that the minute you walk into a bathroom... You wake the fuck up and go to the goddamn bathroom. Do not use the bathroom in your dream. You will upset the person sleeping next to you. Trust me. Um, I also learned how to control my dreams slightly, like when I, because I have real bad night terrors. Um, my subconscious is a fucking minefield while I'm asleep, and uh, 
I got to the point, and now I don't even really remember my dreams, but usually I'm so stoned by the time I lay down, I, I'm not going to remember anything anyways. But um, when I was younger, when I was trying to quote-unquote control my dreams, um, along with training myself that when you go into the bathroom, you wake up, um, I trained myself that if there was a big red rubber ball, the type that they use in kickball, right? You guys know which one I'm talking about? That big textured rubber ball like all of us can hear the fucking sound it makes right now because I just said kickball um, or dodgeball even. Dodgeball, that's better. That noise, like I, it's, I, I hear it right now, right? Um, anyways, if I saw a big red dodgeball in my dream, I knew that it was a dream. And that would give me a little more power over whatever was going on. So imagine you're being fucking just beat to shit in your dream, right? And you look over and through bloody eyes, you see this big red dodgeball come bouncing out of nowhere. Then my brain knows that it's a dream and I know that this isn't actually happening and I can, I can adjust to, to suit it. Um, and it, it worked. It, it really did work after a while. It took a lot of fucking time, you know, because every night before I went to sleep, I'd have to sit there and think, okay, dodgeball, red dodgeball, red dodgeball, dodgeball means safe. Red dodgeball means safe. Red dodgeball means it's a dream. I'm in control. And I would have to think this over and over and over before I fell asleep. And it took probably six months to a year for it to, to fully be effective. And then it worked for a few years. And then it stopped being effective. But after that, I found weed. And I don't remember what I dream anymore. Um, but anyway, so like the, the idea of our subconscious attacking us has, has always been interesting to me. Because I live it. Um, and then there, there's tons and tons of fiction about you know being attacked in your dreams or being attacked by something or or a collective consciousness and and you know you can all kind of talk between your dreams and and stuff like that so like the movie explorers i was just talking about this the other day with uh my friend gus uh or captain here in the chat when you guys see him normally um that uh you know i, I want to rewatch the explorers and and i happen to think just now maybe that the reason why is because there is a sequence where they all share collective dreaming and they can talk to each other in their dreams and they all remember it anyways so that idea kind of uh, uh you know just really stuck with me my whole life um you know and then of course freddy krueger is one of my favorite uh slasher villains and you know uh movies like the matrix or scanner darkly or uh um, scanners or you know anything that really delves into the the waking mind you know the the out of body experience and stuff like that that you have when you're asleep at sometimes really just intrigued me a few years ago um I started to see uh, stuff online about the hat man and also this man. And I started diving into it and it became an interesting topic to me. 
Well, when we changed how we're doing things here now, and we decided to switch over to diving into the unexplained and the cryptids and, you know, all of the, the conspiracy stuff, this seemed like the perfect opportunity to actually talk about it. Um, which I want to put a pause right there. I, I just happened to think of something that I forgot to mention. I was interviewed on another podcast recently. I'll share the link with that. Uh, when we post this episode, uh, I was, uh, interviewed on the, I, I can't roll my fucking R's, but, uh, the, uh, the Rico podcast, um, uh, Rico and his co-host Eric, uh, I hate to say it that way. Rico and Eric are amazing hosts. They run a great show. Um, if you're into hearing stories from like combat vets and comedians and, and things like that, Rico podcast is definitely where you want to check out. So make sure you check out my buddy. Uh, and again, like I said, I'll post the link with this episode. Um, anyways, uh, so we, we, we thought, why not? Let's, let's do an episode on this man. Let's do an episode on hat, the hat man. And the, it kind of just worked that they kind of blend together a little bit. So um, let's let's jump into it. You only see the dark figure when you're in bed. Maybe you were just drifting off or maybe you were disturbed from a deep sleep. To him, it doesn't matter. As long as you're in some stage of hazy, heavy-eyed liminality. The hat man can come to call, gazing down at you with a troubling malevolence. What does he want? Why does he appear? And how have so many people had the same experience? The Hat Man is said to be an evil entity, often in the category of paranormal phenomena referred to as shadow people. Shadow people are just about exactly what they sound like dark, vaporous forms in the shape of humans that are posited to be a type of ghost. Some might be uh, deluded manifestations of people who were once living. Others may be something else that we don't quite understand. But the Hat Man is a singular character inside the broader category reported to have a particular set of character traits, a more solid outline than most shadow people, an especially notable visual marker that he's always wearing a hat. That's not to say that he doesn't like to change up his style every now and again. Some people report encountering the hat man in old-timey clothes, a long trench coat or cape, and various styles of hats, usually a top hat, a fedora, or a gaucho hat. Think southwestern cowboy. Some have seen him with red eyes, Others report a fearless, dark face, but he's always tall, six feet at minimum. And even more often, people say he's about eight to ten feet tall, forcing him to crouch while standing. Imagine opening your eyes at night, and all you see is a hunched figure behind, or a hunched figure bending unnaturally uh, in a way to keep from hitting your head or hitting your ceiling fan with the top of his hat. Such a human action on an inhumane figure has to be especially eerie. They say he sometimes carries a gold pocket watch that he'll occasionally glance at, which is interesting, 
suggests that he's sticking around long enough to be curious about time. Could it be a prop used for mockery? Suggesting to his victims that he has all the time in the world. The varying anecdotes make me wonder whether the hat man actually changes his appearance for some reason. Or whether the point of view of the encounterer influences what they see. If someone associates old Victorian clothing with frightening ghosts, might that subconsciously make his shadowy shape take that form? If you live in the Southwest, are you more likely to see him in a gaucho hat? Perhaps it's similar to the way we see shapes in the clouds. So much of our experience of the world is colored by our own perceptions. So it stands to reason that personal interpretation could be a big part of supernatural experiences as well. Now, before I go any further, i got to ask, have any of you, late at night, seen shadow people or things you can't quite explain? I know Sailor Rob has, because he posts videos of it sometimes, of the, the weird and creepy goings-on over at uh, his house. But I am curious, how many of you have experienced anything along the lines of what I just described? Have you been awoken late at night, seemingly by nothing, but felt an overwhelmingly strong fear of dread or fear? Bryce says, I used to a ton, but thankfully nothing like that now. Now, Bryce, do you think it was a supernatural entity, or are we talking about when you were younger and life was a lot more hectic and filled with turmoil? Do you think it was a product of the stress that you were under, or was it something supernatural? Because, like it said, you know, uh, your perception can dictate your experience with this, it seems. So, it would stand to reason, right, if we're under more stress or we're more afraid or we're more anxious, that we are more susceptible to our subconscious um, manifesting that. Sailor Rob says, when I was a kid, I felt a presence in the room. Felt like someone sitting on the foot of the bed, but nobody was there. Yeah? In the house that we live in, we often hear, there's, there's a spot when you uh, uh, traverse from the living room to the kitchen. All right, When you go through the doorway, there's a spot where you hear the the metal duct underneath you gotta remember i live in a very old house uh but the metal duct underneath the floorboard there goes ka-chunk and it only does it when a person walks over it because the dog and the cat aren't big enough to to make the ka-chunk there have been times where sim and i know we're the only ones in the house Front door is locked, the back doors are locked, all the windows are locked. There is nobody else in the house with us. Hell, even the dog and the cat are laying next to us. 
and we'll be sitting here and we'll hear ka-chunk and we'll look at each other and we'll just go back to what we were doing. There have been plenty of times in this house where you have heard footsteps like uh, heavy work boots walking through the house and going over that spot. Ka-chunk. Uh, it is well known that my mother died in this house as well. And there are times where I feel like I'm being watched. Um, there have been instances where I've been under great stress and it felt like a hand was placed on my shoulder. And that is that is something my mother did a lot when I, I was stressed, like, Mom knew I was not big into physical contact. I'm not much of a hugger. You know, I'm not much of a cuddler and whatnot. So when I was under duress, knowing that about me, that is how my mother would would breach my personal space first. Is she would place her hand on my shoulder and try to get me to calm down that way. And then as she was talking to me, trying to ease whatever was going on she would get closer and like rub my back and then eventually put her arm around me like i'm like a fucking shelter dog all right (laughs) if if we joke all the time because we do that bryce has golden retriever energy i'm a fucking shelter dog buddy you gotta come at me carefully cautiously and slowly but I, I felt that in the house here. Um, I've smelled my grandfather's cologne once or twice. I've heard singing in homes that I've been in that are, it's a disembodied voice. There's no one else in the house that would be singing. There's no way that that sound would have been carrying, and I still heard it. It's. We joke that I'm I'm like an antenna. I am a, a beacon for that type of energy. Um, I don't walk in graveyards. I don't shake people's hands because I don't want to pick up the energy off them. Um, I am very non-physical touch with a lot of people. Even the people that I love and I care about, I still like to keep my energy to me and your energy to you. Bryce liked the shelter dog comment. But anyways, yeah, like, I I just, and if you're listening after the fact, please share your experiences in the comments section on YouTube. Um, Please, you know, you can email me at cultivod at gmail.com. However you feel comfortable sharing your experiences, by all means do. Because ghosts and the paranormal and things like that, these are going to be things that are going to be coming up quite a bit over the course of the year. So share your stories, talk with us, you know. Tell us what your experiences are, what you believe. Um, If you've ever seen the hat man, speaking of, we'll get back to the hat man. Luckily for most who meet him, the hat man doesn't seem intent on inflicting physical harm. What he's actually after is slower, more more insidious. He just watches the sleeper, sometimes arching his over long body over their bed. It's said that though he doesn't touch his victims, they can feel 
evil emanating off him in waves. They can feel that he wants to do them harm. The theory is that he uses a a look-don't-touch approach for a calculated reason. It creates a heady brew of confusion, anticipation, and fear. Uh, that's only you, Junior. That, that's what we worry about when you uh, enter our room while we're sleeping. But it's, it's confusion, it's anticipation, and fear in his subject that he can feed off of. You should have been able to. I told you I had issues. Hold on. Let me let me look at something real quick. I can hear all of them. Even though monitor is off. Hurt the fuck? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me a second. Shit's all fucked. Shit's all fucked. I'm sorry that shit's all fucked. Please please allow me a moment to unfuck as much of the shit as I can. I think I unfucked it here. Let me let me just do that even to make sure. Anyways, uh This may be the main purpose of the Hatman's visit. The bedrooms of his victims are his demonic charging stations. Remember uh, Monsters, Inc.? They showed us that the monsters enter, uh, subsisted off the, the fear energy in children. Um, in Freddy Krueger, you know, in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Freddy fed off of the children just knowing that he existed. That's what gave him the power. His whole goal was to try and get enough kids to believe in him and be afraid of him to give him enough power to enter the waking world. We've seen tons of instances of this. It seems to be a recurring theme that these entities, they they thrive, they feed off of our energies, whether it be fear, anxiety, anger, all of the dark energy and emotions that we exude, they feed off of, and they can manipulate us, supposedly, to be continually producing those emotions and energies. When he's not hovering over the sleeper, he employs two other common methods of viewing his prey. Looking at the sleeper through the mirror, or sitting and watching them from the corner. Even though proximity would understandably cause the most fear, I find these two approaches almost more disconcerting. Are there sometimes otherworldly confines he's working within that force him to use a secondary source, i.e. the mirror? To watch his victims? Or is it somehow amplifying his gaze? Is his malevolence so innate and casual that he sometimes doesn't even have to get up? 
preferring to take a load off in the corner. Imagine that. The fucking lazy-ass ghost. When he's finally had his fill of fear and decides to leave, he shows another contrast to shadow people, who are usually said to dissipate where they stand. The hat man prefers to use the door and either walking or gliding through it. This suggests a degree of physical control other shadow people may not have. Perhaps due to the more solid outline that those who have encountered the hat man have remarked on. He can appear to anyone at any time but the pattern seems to be that the hat man often comes around people who are already in turmoil. Not unlike the appearance of poltergeists who feed off the strong energy of those in distress in order to manifest. So what exactly is the hat man? Some say he's an interdimensional being, a demon, or even the devil himself. My favorite theory is that the Hat Man is a product of astral projection. Astral projection is, an, is the esoteric idea that you can use mental techniques to initiate an out-of-body experience and interact with the world using your non-physical form. Perhaps there are people, real sickies, who do so and appear as the Hat Man to terrorize others without risk of being caught. Y'all, could you imagine a serial killer with the, the ability to out of body like that? Good God, that's fucking terrifying, right? Like, he can't touch you, but he gets stronger <clears throat> off the fear of just watching different people which empowers him enough to be able to go out and fulfill the urges that he has in the waking world. That's a terrifying concept. Somebody get Hollywood on the line. I think I just came up with a decent movie. Let's go. Let's go. Of course, the simplest explanation is often the correct one. Logic would dictate that people who report having seen the hat man have suffered from especially vivid nightmares or sleep paralysis, both as common as they are unfortunate. The fact that he seems to appear to people who are going through a period of unrest in their lives might be a correlation here, too. But sleepers' experiences with seeing the hat man and shared what the hell is this moment along with a subsequent search for other people who have seen him is undeniable. The experience is very real. There is a website that you can go to. Uh, you can submit stories. It is called thehatmanproject.com. There's also a subset of an urban legend that we couldn't find a lot on, uh, but we were able to find enough that we felt we should mention it. 
There's not a lot we could find online about him. But the guess is that he comes to protect children from trauma and helps them get through it. And we have a couple of stories here. Um, The first one. I was living with my mother and sister in a very small one-bedroom apartment in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we barely had a bed to sleep on, so I would sleep on the floor. I was five, and my parents had just split up. Being so little, I couldn't really understand what was happening, but Mom always made us happy and was loving. I remember one particular night when we were sleeping on the floor, and my sister and I were asleep on the bed. I woke up on a hot summer night and popped my head up and asked my mom if she could get me a glass of water. She was closer to the door, and the bed touched both sides of the room, so the only way for me to get myself a glass was to climb on top of them. So she gladly said yes and got up. But when she got to the door frame, she froze and stopped moving. From the bedroom, you would be able to see all the way down to the kitchen. To the right of the room was the bathroom, and to the left, the living room. I got up and asked my mom if she was okay. And as I asked, a tall, dark figure with a fedora, a coat, and a briefcase walked from the living room to the bathroom. I wasn't freaked out. I thought it was my mom's boyfriend at the time, but I remembered he wasn't there that night. Then after the tall figure walked into the bathroom, my mom snapped out of it and proceeded to the kitchen. I was so confused and looked at the restroom and saw no lights on. The door was wide open. I thought he was just messing around, but my mom got the water and gave it to me and asked why I was standing up. I answered, who was that man, Mom? And she had a tired, confused look on her face and said that I needed to go to sleep. That I had school in the morning. There's another story. It was late, very late. After 2 a.m., I was up working on the computer diligently trying to write my granddaughter's funeral service, which would be happening later that morning. I was alone in the art studio. I had never actually seen a shadow person. I had heard many, many stories of them over the years. As I worked, I felt a presence, and when I looked up, I saw a distinct shadow man in the doorway. Every time I looked, he would disappear around the corner, unnerving me as I continued to type. Determined to finish the funeral service. I even feared someone had entered the studio and quickly surveyed the area where I had seen this figure disappear too. I was very aware and alert as I continued somewhat frightened and not quite believing what I kept seeing. Ultimately, When I again felt the presence and again turned my direction to the doorway of the production room, this time the shadow man stayed put, or this time the shadow man stayed put in the doorway, causing me to jump up from my seat at the computer 
and exit the building. I returned within moments, knowing that I had complete I had to complete the upcoming service. The appearances continued as I attempted to ignore the presence. I wanted so much to go home and waken my mourning and grief-stricken family members and share my experience, but I could not bring myself to wake them with this frightening experience under the circumstances. I continued to have experience or experiences in the coming months. They defied all logic and anything I knew of this reality. Ultimately, I decided this shadow person was attracted by the tremendous grief and outpouring of loss and love after so tragically losing my granddaughter. After nearly a year of experiences, many of which were witnessed by others, I had the studio saged and blessed. You're damn right you do. Fucking run that thing through uh, all of it. You get it blessed. You get it saged. You have every you know uh, person in the field you can think of come in and just clear it out. You know until we get the actual Ghostbusters. The first house I ever lived in was a two-story in Spring, Texas. My oldest sister had just moved out, which meant my mother or my other sister would get her room. And I'd have our old one all to myself. She also got a bunk bed for friends sleeping over. The first night was one of the few times we got along in our childhood. I was on the bottom bunk. She was on the top. I have no clue what we were talking about at the time. We were around five or six years old. Anyway, we were talking, and I suddenly looked over at the closet directly across from the room from us. I saw a man standing in the doorway. He was like a living shadow, wearing what looked like a trench coat and a fedora. What really stood out, though, were his eyes. They were human eyes except he had red irises. He didn't give off a scary vibe. If anything, he felt like home. I don't know how to describe it, but I felt safe with him. So I stared at him and I said, Hey, there's a man in the closet. Obviously, my sister did not like this and asked what I meant, so I repeated, There's a man in the closet, and he has red eyes. I don't know if my sister saw him or not, but I did hear the absolute terrifying banshee scream that left her lungs when she threw herself off the bed and ran out of the room. At that point, I was freaked out because I realized that, yes, this was probably a problem. So I ran after in the end. My mom thought it was a demon and put holy oil all over the place and prayed all over the house. I'm also pretty sure this is the incident that caused our pastor to visit and throw out everything possibly demonic, including Beauty and the Beast, because it had magic in it. In the end, I developed a phobia of closets and a lifelong interest in the paranormal. So. There are some that claim that the hat man 
is a uh, demon. He's an evil entity. He is creepy and scary. And he is there to feed off you and your fear. There are some that claim that the hat man is a protector. And he's there to keep the bad elements away. It's open to interpretation. And that's if any of this is even real, right? Again, as I stated in the beginning of the show, our subconsciouses are very strong. Whatever emotion, whatever feelings, whatever's going on inside the rest of us, our subconscious has to deal with. When you go to sleep at night, basically what happens is is your conscious mind, it doesn't completely shut off, but it goes into a hibernation mode, right? Your subconscious then has to go through and unpack all of the data, all of the information, all of the, the experiences throughout the day. And that is why you get the feeling of deja vu sometimes and, and whatnot, because either... Your brain is unpacking experiences that you've you've had from the previous day when you sleep and then something in the next day mirrors something, right? Um, or the other the way it's been described too is that like your brain doesn't your subconscious isn't as 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 good at handling information as your conscious mind is. And so when it starts unpacking everything, it, it kind of doesn't know where to put everything. So it just does the best that it can. And that's how you get some really weird and fucked up dreams. But when you add in the emotional trauma aspect to it, now it's frantically trying to unpack and put things places and has no idea where it goes. And so... I could see that, you know, your your fear and your trauma becoming a subconscious manifestation that maybe you're not quite awake, but maybe you're not quite asleep when you see it, right? You know, we've all been there, stumbled to the bathroom at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, half awake, and swear we saw a goddamn dragon on our way there. You know, it, it's it's... Our mind is, is, is a very powerful tool and can play tricks on us a lot. But like I said, I, I've always found it interesting. I like the idea of psychology as a hobby, right? Like I read up on different stuff and I, it, it's, it's my own thing. I, I've worked in the mental health field because I have an interest in psychology. Not enough of one to go to school and, you know, get the fucking degree to put on my wall. But enough that I like to try to understand why people are the way they are. One of the things that will probably piss most people off when I say it is... <coughs> there's only like 13 different personality types out there, right? Um, I, I, I've noticed this because I've met tons... We all have. Like, I'm not different. But I've met tons of people because of what i do with this i've i you know between the normal amount of people you would meet in in a, a regular life you know through work or colleagues or friends or 
mere happenstance and, and stuff like that. Take that and, and double or triple it. And and that's 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 pretty close. I, so I've met a lot of fucking people. I've talked to a lot of pu- fucking people, and I'm pretty good at discerning bullshit. So like, I feel that I have a natural sense of being able to tell who slash what people are. And I've come to realize that there's only like 13 different personality types out there. You know, uh, there, there's, there are similarities in a lot of people. And so I've met a person like this person before, and I've met a person like this person before, and yada, yada, yada. And so like the psychology of that, of, of trying to like, okay, well, why are there only so many personality types? Why does... X, Y, and Z make this person tick, but A, B, and C makes this person tick. And, oh, marketing uh, plays into, you know, LMNOP uh, in a person in order to get them to purchase A, B, or C. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And understanding this has made me less susceptible to impulse buying, um, or really advertising in general, like I, advertising doesn't really work on me. In fact, if you interrupt the TV show or the, the video that I'm watching with your ad, I'm like 90% less likely to buy your product at that point. Cause you've, you've pissed me off now. Like I'm into what I'm watching and here comes your bullshit. Nah, I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, but there are psychological tricks that are, are, are employed, even with the, the products that we buy. Um, you know, uh, there is a psychology to the colors that are used. Uh, red and yellow are used by McDonald's because they uh, invoke uh, uh, a happiness and uh, a, a readiness to want to eat. Um, green is awfully, often used for financial institutions. Or anything to do with money, green is often used because green is a symbol of money. Green and yellow, or green and gold specifically. You know, and you're like, oh, well, of course, money's green, and, you know, gold is gold. You know, we, we attribute it with that, but it goes so much deeper than that. Like, purple is usually considered regal and, you know, uh, 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 a sense of proprietary that, that comes with it um blue is often used as as uh, a calming uh effect not so much blue itself blue in general um also stimulates uh purchases um but uh like you ever notice how um hospitals all have the same kind of cool blue or almost teal coloring to them it's calming right mental hospitals often use teal or some variation of of teal some shade you know beyond teal because it is a very calming and soothing effect supposedly psychologically wise you ever notice too like when you were at the grocery store you know if they are playing music it's nothing too edgy it's nothing too aggressive it's nothing too anything it's it's all designed to lull you into a um, stasis of sorts while you're there to to keep you shopping uh, psychology even plays into how your stores are laid out. Like you 
are being manipulated at every freaking turn of your day. There, There isn't a single moment in your day where someone isn't trying to manipulate you to do what they want you to do. Whether it's your um, your partner, which we kind of, you know, sign up for that. But your partner, your boss, the stores that you pass, the sales that you see, the fucking food that you eat, all of it. It's all designed in a way to make you want it. And the, the psychology behind that is just fascinating to me. It really is. And so, like, when you start talking about collective experiences like this, we have to, to ask, <coughs> okay, so one or two people is a, 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 a coincidence. But then you start talking about the hat man you, you on shows like mine or you read a Reddit forum or, you know, Maybe you're walking past a TV that someone has mentioned it briefly and it, it, it gets into your mind. And maybe you're not aware of it, but your subconscious is aware of it. And it just goes from there. It's just, like I said, it's really interesting, really fascinating to me. One of the other entities that we wanted to talk about, and it's along the same lines of the hat man, is uh, called This Man. This is the one where we weren't able to find as much about. It seems like it it came and went. Uh, the collective consciousness didn't really just gra- didn't really grab on to this one, and so it it didn't go as far as the Hat Man seems to have. Now, this one's called This Man. This man is a mysterious individual who has purportedly appeared in the dreams of numerous people since 2006. Yet his real-world identity remains unknown. In 2008, an Italian sociologist and marketer, Andrea Natala, created a website called Ever Dream This Man that focused on this phenomenon. According to the website, the first individual to report dreaming about this man was a patient of a psychiatrist uh, uh, was a patient of a psychiatrist in New York City in 2006. And four other patients of the same psychiatrist also recognized the same face. The website received over 8,000 accounts from people who claimed to have encountered this man in their dreams. Sharing their stories and drawings and various theories were, uh, or various theories they uh, had proposed to explain it. This man's appearance ranging from mundane to supernatural. But none were substantiated by evidence or investigation. The website gained attention from the press and online users in October 2009 and became a viral sensation. This man's notoriety spawned several internet memes that spoofed flyers of the website, references in films and television shows like The X-File, and a manga series by Weekly Shonen Magazine. It eventually came out that this man was a hoax and was actually a guerrilla marketing campaign by Natala's advertising agency. Natala admitted that she had fabricated the whole story and that he had based the original 
sketch of this man on a photo of his father when he was young. Natala said that he was inspired by the concept of dream invasion, which he had encountered in some movies and books, and that he wanted to explore the power of the internet to create and spread urban legends and collective myths. Reported evidence of this man appearing in dreams allegedly goes back to the 1980s, according to the Ever Dream of This Man website. The first image of this man was sketched in January 2006 by a well-known psychiatrist in New York. Based on the description of patients who claimed he was a recurring subject of their dreams, despite never knowing a man like him in real life, many people claimed that they did see him. Several days later, another psychiatrist patient recognized the drawing and said he was a figure in his dreams as well. The psychiatrist sent the image to fellow professionals and collected the testimony of four more people who claimed to recognize the man. And, of course, it just reiterates what we had already said. But, uh, so here's the thing. Andrea may have started this out as a marketing campaign. But through the power of suggestion, and maybe everyone's desire to be part of something bigger, more and more people started to see the the figure, the face, the man. Anonymous stories from alleged witnesses vary in his behavior and actions in their dreams. Which... It ranged, sorry, I my brain was trying to formulate how to, to, to move forward there, and it just stalled out. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the, the actions of this man in, in people's dreams and the, the accounts that came in after, you know, the hoax had been started ranged from romantic to sexual fa- fantasies to attacking and killing or doing uh, the corruption uh, of the dreamer. Um, it gave cryptic life advice. Uh, the relationship with the dreamer varied between accounts. In one, uh, he was the dreamer's father, while in another, he was a school teacher from Brazil with six fingers on his right hand. Uh, he also killed, um, you know, Inigo Montoya's father, so he should be prepared to die. Um, his voice was also unidentifiable due to the fact that he rarely ever spoke. Uh, It was also difficult in remembering sounds in dreams versus images. Uh, There were some recurring themes in his messages, such as telling dreamers to go north. Finally, in 2015, uh, an interview with Vice uh, site creator uh, Andre Natala explained that that he first dreamt of this man in winter of 2008 wherein the man invited him to create a website to find an answer to his own appearance. Following this man's instructions, Nutella created the website thisman.org. 
including an identikit image of this man created using the mobile app Ultimate Flashface. An actual living human that looked like this man was never identified, though. Natella has received thousands of letters and emails from people about who they think this man resembles, ranging from fictional characters like the man from another place, from Twin Peaks, and the dummy from the Twilight Zone, to real public figures such as Abdel Fattah, Al-Sisi, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Stephen Hawking. <clears throat> Some people claim they themselves were this man, including an Indian guru named Arud Kanan, uh, who cited it as proof of his miraculous powers. Many people each year have reported seeing this man in their dream, and some even say they know who he is. Thisman.org has posited five theories as to this man's origins. The Archetype Theory This man is an example of Carl Jung's concept of the unconscious archetype or art archetypical image people see during very difficult life situations. The religious theory. This man is a manifestation of God. The dream surfer theory. An outside force implants this man in people's dreams, whether from someone's supernatural projection or mental conditioning by a corporation. The dream imitation theory. People only dream of this man after having already learned about the phenomena and the image has left an impression on their minds. The daytime recognition theory. People poorly remember faces from their dreams and they only assume it represents this man after seeing the image. Well, so far, based on what I've told you, what do you guys think? I'm leaning more towards the dream imitation theory. People only dream of this man after having already learned about the phenomena and the image has left an impression on their minds. Uh, basically, the uh, power of suggestion. But what do you guys think based on the, the theories that I, I, I've mentioned here that they had? Do you believe it's a dream in imitation theory? Do you believe it's a dream surfer whose you know, outside influence is... is projecting into your dreams or mental conditioning by corporations uh, do you believe they could possibly be God the religious theory that this man is a manifestation of God or do you feel that uh, you know maybe it's a little more logical of the, the daytime recognition theory that we poorly remember what people look like and are just kind of cobbling together and you know there seems to be a a basic blueprint that we all kind of agree that a person looks like. You know, let me know. <clears throat> Excuse me a second. I need to take a drink. Like I said, I personally think it's the dream initiation or a dream imitation theory where we've heard about it. And so it gets into our subconscious and then eventually our, it gets around to unpacking that information and boom, this man shows up in our dreams. Uh, the story of this man started gaining attention from internet users and press in 2009. It was not until October of that year that the views of the site had skyrocketed. 
in a short period of time, it garnered more than 2 million visits and 10,000 plus emails from people sharing experiences with this man and sending photos of those who looked like him. Uh, on October 12, 2009, comedian Tim Heidecker made a Twitter post about this man tweeting that it was scaring the shit out of me. While Natala's previous marketing stunts only garnered local attention, this man was the first time his work got international recognition. Filmmaker Brian Bertino, director and writer of The Strangers, was allegedly inspired by the viral story and used it as the basis for a film, also titled This Man, uh, to be produced by Sam Raimi's Ghost House Pictures. A press release from Ghost House said the film would be about an ordinary guy who discovers that people he has, n he has never met are seeing him in their dreams. Now we must find out why he is the source of nightmares for strangers all over the world. Ghost House Pictures bought the thisman.org domain in 2010, and as of today, there is still no further announcement about the film. Upon this man's initial widespread exposure, there was suspicion from users on forums like 4chan as well as blogs like SME and io9 that it was a guerrilla marketing stunt. A reverse IP looked up, uh, lookup of thisman.org revealed that its uh, hosting company owned another domain named guerrillamarketing.it. A fake advertising agency found, founded by Nutella. It was design, uh, that designed subversive hoaxes and created weird art projects exploring pornography, politics, and advertising. At the time, in late 2009, some sources still presented the debate between those claiming it was a hoax and those claiming it was a real phenomenon as unresolved and ongoing. In 2010, Nutella made a post on the website of Kook Art Agency, an art agency company he founded, where he confirmed that he invented the story of this man as a publicity stunt. He elaborated on the topic further in 2012 in a pipe paper titled Viral K Marketing. Although Nutella never confirmed whether the project was a had a commercial purpose, so sources like the Colonel said it was almost certain that the site was specifically created as a guerrilla marketing campaign for Bertino and Ghost House's film. Even after Nutella's confirmation of the hoax, serious coverage of this man continued into the mid-2010s. In 2015, Vice Media contacted the site for an interview, and Nutella answered questions as the site was not, as if the site was not a hoax. On the same day Vice published its interview with Nutella, it published a retraction clarifying that this man was not real and admitted they had initially fallen for the hoax. We run a story. It turns out to be something that was denounced in 2009 and could be easily verified as fake with a simple Google search. A few people called us dickheads and the ed editorial team drowned in their tears. Sometimes we mess up. IO9 writer Annalie Newitz called this man Nutella's greatest masterwork, reasoning that it was only it was only uncanny, cheesy, and a little bit scary. 
instead of having artsy pseudo-intellectual politics like a lot of his other art does. Vice expressed that while this man does not exist, he properly looks like the kind of dude you might see in a dream, where he pats you on the back and you feel warm and nostalgic and you wake up with an erection you can't explain. In 2014, an article from the Fringe Science website Mysterious Universe claims that people experiencing the same type of dreams is possible. It cites not only Jung's uh, archetypal... Uh, archi- Why can't I say that word? Archetypal archetypal theory. But also Irvin Laszlo's pseudoscientific theory of the uh, Akashic field. Should it prove true that our thoughts do not reside within our own heads, but rather exist in either in the ether, then couldn't some of us be accessing the same information in our subconscious during dreams? Vice described the purpose of the hoax as priming people to dream what they've never dreamed before, similar to Inception, but with memes. It's a pretty interesting theory there. You know, it's 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 wild to think what can be accomplished if you just touch the right nerves. And that's why I talked about a little bit before we, we got too far into this about the, the psychology of marketing. Because, again, it's all being used against you. People make you think what they want you to think. Do you, do you really think that in a normal day you would actually crave McDonald's? No. Think about McDonald's on a, a when you're full. Does it even sound good? No. It's, it's interesting that we are all okay with the amount of psychological operations that are performed on us on a daily basis. We're heading into one of the biggest fucking psyops in uh, American culture. We're, we're heading to the Super Bowl where the reason that most people tune in isn't for the two fucking teams that are playing. It's to see the goddamn commercials. And for those of you that don't know, do you know why we have a Super, t- Super Bowl halftime show? Do you? There used to be an old show uh, 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 sketch comedy show back in like the 90s I think it was to, uh, it's where Jim Carrey got his start it was called In Living Color one year during halftime for the Super Bowl In Living Color decide, decided to put on a show they had music and they had skits and, and everything enough people tuned out of the Super Bowl at the halftime to go watch In Living Color that the the NFL and the people that, you know, market the Super Bowl decided to put in a halftime show the following year with musicians because they saw how many people tuned away and that hurt their bottom line. So the psychology of it is, okay, 
Let's give them a reason to stay on the channel. So it got more theatrical at halftime show. The the Super Bowl commercials got more over the top over the years. Uh, they they gave you a reason to keep your eyes glued to the TV and to the channel that the Super Bowl was airing on. It's it's again it's wild. It's 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 so fascinating to me how we as a society in America and I'm sure it's like this outside of it we think we're so sure of ourselves we think we're so strong and so resolute that nobody can manipulate you right nobody can make you do anything you don't want to do but that just isn't true And rather than admit that and actively start fighting against it, no, we'll deny it and do exactly what they want us to do. They want you to buy Charmin, you buy Charmin. They want you to buy Hershey's chocolate syrup, you buy Hershey's chocolate syrup. They want you to, you know, buy... uh, uh, new car you're gonna buy a new car some would say well you gotta buy a new car anyways you know eventually no no but like they've really got ingrained through psychological tactics that you need a new car every three years every year you know they they've really ingrained the psychological tactics that you know coke is better than pepsi or you know, that you need this brand of chips over this brand of chips or, ooh, we've got a new flavor. Look at our colorful packaging. It's, it's supposed to invoke, you know, what we want you to feel. Like, if you like cheesy stuff, nine times out of ten, that packaging is orange. If you like sour stuff, nine times out of ten, that packaging is green. If you like, um, you know, uh, Cool Ranch Doritos are blue because blue is a cool color. Flamin' Hot comes in red packaging because it's spicy. And again, it's it's all psychological tricks that are being played on us and we're we're okay with it. It's 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 it, again, I hate to keep using the word but it is fascinating how hypocritical or how many double standards we have in our own life for ourselves, let alone the rest of the people out there. You know, I, I hate it. I, I don't ever mean these to, to become social or political commentaries, but, like, the, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, is it, it, it lends to it, and, and, and I see the angles. And I only talk about it and mention it on the show because I'm trying to make sure that you see the angles as well. If you can keep yourself from, from being so easily led by others then you might be able to lead yourself. And I don't mean lead yourself. I mean lead for others. Because there's a whole lot of followers out there and they're following the wrong people. 
if you can make yourself a good enough person and see the tactics that are used and start trying to help break the programming that's out there, then these people might follow the right people for a change. You know, I, 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 I mentioned this in a, a, a you know, I, I play RP and stuff like that. And there's, there's a group that I'm friends with that uh, they're bikers. And every so often they'll mention, well, why don't you, you know, don't you prospect? Why don't you join? And I'm like, I'm not a follower, fellas. It'll never happen. I'm, I'm just not built that way. I don't even like to follow now in like real life. I fucking hate having to follow the rules. It's 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 the worst thing you could do to me is give me a set of rules that I don't under I don't understand or that are or worse it's just fucking corporate politics. And tell me I don't have a choice because I I'm not a follower. You you teach me how to do the job and then you leave me alone to do the job. And you only come bother me when I've drastically fucked up. And guess what? I'm not going to drastically fuck up. I've always been more of a leader in, in, in my group. Whether I meant to be or not, I, I don't know. In some cases, I, I think uh, I mean to be. And in other cases, I just end up being that reluctant leader. Right? Like... You know, you guys are gonna fucking follow me in, follow me around, anyways. I might as well make sure that we all stay safe. That's what I'm doing here. Most of you people like me uh, for various reasons. Whether you've hung out in my chat while gaming, or you hang out with me in Discord, or you've met me through uh, any number of other channels, and you've decided to hitch your wagons to to my post, and I'm cool with it. You know, I'm grateful. I just want to make sure that I don't lead you astray. So I talk about these things in order to try and help prepare you better for the onslaught that you're going to have to deal with tomorrow morning. Maybe you share this episode with somebody, you know, and, and they hear something in what I say, and it it, it, it makes them think a little differently, and it, it changes their perspective a little bit. And... Maybe they share it with somebody and, and it continues to grow like that. Like I'd rather open minds than fucking close doors. Now we mentioned sleep paralysis, right? And that sounds like a terrifying concept. So let's talk about it. Sleep paralysis or sleep paralysis demons are frightening phenomena that are all too real for people who experience sleep paralysis. Roughly 20% of people have an episode of sleep paralysis, at least occasionally. In as many as 75% of these episodes, the sleeper has a hallucination. The American Academy of Sleep and Medicine sets standards and promotes excellence in sleep medicine, care, education, and research. in which they hear, see, feel, or sense something in their bedroom that is not actually there. Sleep-related hallucinations have been described throughout recorded history. 
we explore the fascinating topic of sleep demons, including various cultural depictions of these sleep intruders, modern scientific explanations, and ways to reduce the risks of sleep paralysis. Now, what causes a sleep paralysis demon? Although the exact cause of the sleep-related hallucinations remains unknown, many experts believe that hallucinations during sleep paralysis occur when the people experience the vivid dream or vivid dreaming of uh, REM sleep, which REM uh, is R-E-M. It stands for rapid eye movement. Um, you can usually tell someone is dreaming if you see them asleep and, and their eyes are closed, but you can see that their eyes are darting back and forth or up and down rapidly underneath the lid. Um, it is, though our eyes are closed, uh, it is us looking and searching in, in, in the dream, right? Like it's, it's, it's like taking in the data, trying to process it all. To explain the often frightening experience of these hallucinations, researchers have considered the role of hormones, mirror neurons, changes in breathing, and survival centers of the brain. One such potent chemical is serotonin. As a person begins to wake up, hormones like serotonin suppress REM sleep and contribute to increased awareness of the person's surroundings. But during an episode of sleep paralysis, serotonin is released while the person remains stuck in REM sleep. This may induce hallucinations and activate fear circuits in the brain. Brain disturbances, otherwise known as uh, malfunctions in parts of the brain responsible for creating an image of the body, may underlie the creation of human-like figures often seen during hallucinations. These disturbances may also be responsible for the sexual nature of some hallucinations, as well as the phantom movements and pain that sleepers often feel in their limbs. Breathing changes are when, a, when major muscles become paralyzed during red sleep. A person's breathing normally grows more shallow, Becoming aware of diminished breathing during an episode of sleep paralysis may explain the feelings of suffocation or pressure on the chest that people describe during sleep-related hallucinations. Cycles of fear and panic are when a person begins to realize that they cannot move despite their alarming perceptions. Their fear may escalate and trigger a panic or flight-or-flight flight response. This, ter in turn, may exacerbate the frightening content of their hallucinations. Now, there have been cultural depictions of sleep demons. While modern scientists consider sleep demons to just be hallucination, this is not the first or only interpretation of this phenomenon. Societies throughout history have developed their own explanation for these experiences, each stemming from a unique cultural context. Uh, the Latui, some of the earliest writings related to sleep paralysis, come from Mesopotamia, somewhere around 2400 BC. These accounts refer to the Latua, a female demon. Researchers believe that this is from the early folklore that the concepts of incubus and succubus 
and the nightmare descended. The nightmare is a European uh, uh, term from the Middle Ages. The term nightmare referred to a supernatural entity, typically female, that positioned herself on top of the person's chest to suffocate them. Medical explanations up to the 20th century suggested that a nightmare was caused by stagnant blood or vapors rising from the stomach and affecting the nervous system. I'm always every time I hear is something from like the the waybacks. All I can think of is like it, it, that meme is it must have been great to be an old timey doctor. Like you got ghosts in your blood, you need to do cocaine about it. I do some with you. Agrog, the old hag phenomena, also called Agrog, was described by the residents of Newfoundland in the 1970s. Believers attribute paralysis, pressure on the chest, and other symptoms to blood that is stagnated, excessive work, or an enemy who wants to harm the sleeper. So either your blood is lazy, you work too much, or that bitch down the block is putting the voodoo hex on you. Uh, in Brazil folklore, a pisidaria, uh, uh, pisidaria, yeah, we'll go with that, is an old woman who lies in wait on roofs and walks on the chests of people who sleep on their backs with full stomachs. This character takes on slightly different forms and features in different parts of the country. <laughs> Don't you sleep on your back now? You just had a full meal. That creepy old lady's gonna walk all over you. Mm-hmm. Show sure is. Uh, the Kanashibari is a Japanese name for an experience between sleep and wakefulness involving paralysis, fear, anxiety, and sometimes hallucinations. The term uh, Kanashibari comes from a similar sounding word that describes the magical powers of a Buddhist deity, which monks were believed to be capable of harnessing to paralyze others. <clears throat> the jinn. Some in Egypt attribute sleep paralysis to the jinn, which are supernatural creatures associated with witchcraft, madness, and nightmares. These creatures are said to be able to terrify or possess a sleeping person. Now, interesting there, the jinn are brought up. The jinn, for those that don't know, are where we get our idea of a genie from. Typically, a jinn can be trapped and banished. So when, you know, Aladdin found genie buried in a fucking cave, well, there was a goddamn reason somebody put him in the fucking cave. You know, if you follow folklore standards, it's because whatever's inside that fucking lamp that you're just about to rub one out of could destroy the whole fucking world. Luckily, we got Robin Williams and he granted three wishes and hey, bada boom, bada bing, we had a movie. Uh, and then, the, uh, let's see, what do we have here? Uh, Kamach Sankat? I'm probably mispronouncing that. In Cambodian, refu uh, Cambodian refugees, sleep paralysis may be described using the Khmer phrase 
that I cannot pronounce, which is, describes a supernatural being pushing down on the sleeper's chest or neck. Hallucinations may include a ghost dispatched by a sorcerer, a demon wanting to cause fear, or a person who died during the Cambodian genocide. And you may be asking yourself, what can I do if I experience this? How do I fix oneself? Well, there are some theories. Uh, one is attempting to move the arms and the legs or your torso. Uh, you can try to move your mouth or your eyes. Uh, uh, being touched by another person. Uh, being roused by an alarm clock. You can focus on relaxing your body and mind. Or you can mentally start reciting a mantra or a prayer. Remember I told you at the beginning, when I, uh, when I was younger, I, I would have to visualize uh, a, rubber, a red rubber dodgeball, and I'd have to think really hard about it before I went to sleep in order for it to work. Well, that's, that's kind of the same thing, is you know, reciting a mantra or a prayer, is you, know, you, you are trying to refocus your mind. Right, You are trying to bring yourself out of whatever trouble you perceive yourself to be in at that moment. And you are trying to break through to the waking world. And for those of you that don't know exactly what sleep paralysis is, it's the state of during waking up or falling asleep in which one is conscious but in a complete state of full-body paralysis. During an episode, one may hallucinate, hear, feel, or see things that are not there, which often will result in fear. Episodes generally last no more than a few minutes, and it can recur multiple times or occur as a single episode. Now, I want to point out something there. It says no more than a few minutes. In the times where I have had a dream it feels like the dream started right when I fell asleep and it felt like I was in the dream for a very long time or you wake up from a dream that you feel like you've been in for a really long time typically dreams when you do dream when you hit that rapid eye movement type sleep last for no more than 10 minutes max but they feel so much longer so uh, uh, an episode of sleep paralysis lasting for no more than a few minutes in reality can feel like an eternity when you're asleep or caught between the condition may occur in those who are otherwise healthy those uh, with narcolepsy or it may run in families as a result of specific genetic changes the condition can be triggered by sleep deprivation psychological stress or abnormal sleep cycles the underlying mechanism is believed to involve a dysfunction in the REM sleep or lucid and lucid dreaming does not affect the chances of sleep paralysis but some lucid dreamers use this as a method of having a lucid dream. Diagnosis is based on a person's description. Uh, other conditions that 
can present similarly include narcolepsy, atonic seizure, uh, hypokalamic periodic paralysis, and treatment options for sleep paralysis have been poorly studied. It is recommended that people be reassured that the condition is common and generally not serious. Other efforts that may be tried include sleep hygiene, cognitive behavioral therapy, and antidepressants. Because if you can't work it out on your own, we can drug it out. Uh, between 8 and 50% of people experience sleep paralysis at some point during their life. About 5% of people have regular episodes. Male and females are affected equally. Sleep paralysis has been described throughout history. It is believed to have played a role in the creation of stories about alien abduction and other paranormal events. The main symptom of sleep paralysis is being unable to move or speak during awakening. Imagined sounds such as humming, hissing, static, zapping, and buzzing noises are reported during sleep paralysis. Other sounds such as voices, whispers, and roars are also experienced. It has also been known that one may feel pressure on their chest and intense pain in their head during an episode. These symptoms are usually accompanied by intense emotions such as fear and panic. People have also had sensations of being dragged out of bed or flying, numbness, and feelings of electric tingles or vibrations running through their body. Sleep paralysis may include hallucinations such as an uh, intruding presence or a dark figure in the room, suffocating uh, or the suffocating the individual or the individual feeling a sense of terror accompanied by a feeling of pressure on one's chest and difficulty breathing. That's called a heart attack. You, you, you dreamed yourself into an episode, a cardiac event. Uh, <clears throat> the pathopsychology of sleep paralysis has not been concrete, concretely identified, although there are several theories about its cause. The first of these stems from the understanding that sleep paralysis is a parasomnia resulting in, from dysfunction or dysfunctional overlap of our REM and waking stages of sleep. So imagine that. I've never experienced this, right? They say that between what five and fi or eight and fifty percent of people have ex uh, uh, have experienced this, and that you know it is possible for any one of us to experience it at least once in our lifetime. But it, me personally, I've I've never I've never experienced this. I've had terrifying fucking dreams. I've had dreams that felt so goddamn real that, you know, I was visibly upset after waking up. And we all know the joke, too, like, uh, you know, our wives or our partners. Let's just say our partners. Let's let's try not to, to shit on the women here, right? Uh, but our partners dream of us cheating on them, and then they're mad at us for the whole next day. We didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, but sleep you, dream you did it, so wake you has to deal with it, right? It's a, a dream that feels so fucking real that 
you know, the, the awake version of you now has to pay the consequences. Um, you know, they mentioned earlier on the, uh, the, the sexual version of it, right? Like when you're going through puberty, um, you know, is, is a big time where they have the, uh, the nocturnal emissions, otherwise known as a, a good old fashioned wet dream. And, uh, you know, that feels there's often dreams accompanied with it right you know that there there's there's an experience that's being had in your brain and your body has a physiological reaction to it um but they feel real right they they feel a hundred percent real a thousand percent real right um and like i said before i've i've had dreams where like i bang my shin on a table or something and like it's hurt the next day so i've had that but i've never had that I can't move where I feel completely helpless. Like I've never had that, that pressure on my chest. I've never, I've never woken up in the middle of the night and seen a figure that I can't explain. And my dumbass, especially as an adult now, if it were to happen, I'd just be like, oh, it's a fucking cat. It's eight feet tall and crouching. Yeah, it's still the fucking cat. That that thing is weird. <laughs> we have a black cat. But when it comes to the power of our minds, we have barely scratched the surface on what we understand. We are not entirely sure how the lump of electrified meat actually works fully. We're always finding out new things. We're always finding out things that have contradicted other things that we've believed for so long. We, what's the the thing that you see on, on online all the time is like we we are. Uh, we are a skeleton mech suit wearing flesh armor piloted by a hunk of meat. And the fact that we exist in general is is an oddity, right? Like, no, for as far as we know, no other creature in our world worries the way we do thinks the way we do acts the way we do you're you're not going to see two gorillas in the wild arguing over whether or not taylor swift belongs at the fucking super bowl so there's there's something weird about us right off the jump and then when you start getting into like how we can be manipulated and why it works and you know the fact that you know we do dream the way we do and all these other things you you start to realize that the we know very little about ourselves and what is going on inside of our skulls They always said that, you know, we only use 10% of our brain power, and that's not true. 
you know, we use way more than that. There's a lot of background functions that take place that I guess you wouldn't consider is brain power, but it, it very much is. You know, there are those that would argue that we were created and we have a soul and that's what's driving us. And then you have people that like me that look, just look at humans as organic computers with uh, really advanced AI. But when it comes down to it, our dreams are both a boon and a detriment to our existence our conscious and our subconscious are constantly in a battle with each other you're always of two minds right and uh, we should probably be more aware of things like this you know we should be more aware of when we're being manipulated we should be more aware of hoaxes like this man, right? The hat man, that seems to be real. This man, on the other hand, that that was a hoax. But why did the hoax work? Why, why is it a concept like this man or the birds aren't real can take flight, forgive the pun on, with the birds thing and so many people will will have had an experience or claim to have had an experience like i i posited earlier on maybe it's as simple as i just want to fit in uh, i want to feel like i belong somewhere uh, i want to feel like i'm part of something that is much bigger than myself but it's really weird that you guys pick something as terrifying as the fucking hat man to be like, yep, that's me. I'm one of them. But there, there's so much more that we need to understand. Um, and I don't, I don't think we're ever really going to get that far with it. I want to talk about a couple more things real quick, and I'm sorry. Is uh, I want to talk about the threat hypervigilance state. A hypervigilant state is created in the midbrain, may further contribute to hallucinations. More specifically, the emergency response is activated in the brain when individuals wake up paralyzed and feel vulnerable to attack. This helplessness can intensify the effects of the threat response well above the typical level of normal dreams, which could explain why such visions during sleep paralysis are so vi vivid. So basically our normal flight or fight, fight or flight response kicks in and goes into hyperdrive. It's a, it's like the threat assessment, you know, when you're, you're walking down a street you know, at night. If you think you're in a slightly rough neighborhood, you're hyper vigilant, right? Every you're listening for every noise. You're watching every shadow. You're looking around every corner that you can. You're trying to assess what your escape routes are. You know, should you need them? You know, you're looking. If you're on a city street, you're looking up at windows to see if any of them have lights on and are open. That way, if you 
do scream out. Maybe someone will hear it. Hopefully someone will call the cops. Um, so the, the, the threat hyper vigilance thing is, is something that we even experience when we're awake. Uh, the threat activated vigilance system is a protective mechanism that differentiates between dangerous situations and determines whether the fear response is appropriate. The hypervigilance response can lead to the creation of androgynous stimuli that contribute to the perceived threat. Um, a similar process may explain hallucinations with slight variations in which an evil presence is perceived by the subject to be attempting to suffocate them either by pressing heavily on the chest or by strangulation. Uh, a neurological explanation holds uh, that this results from a combination of the threat vigilant activation system and the muscle paralysis associated with sleep paralysis that removes voluntary control of breathing. Uh, several features of REM breathing patterns exacerbate the feeling of suffocation. These include shallow rapid breathing, uh, hypercapnia, a slight blockage of the airway, which is a symptom prevalent in sleep apnea patients. According to this account, the subjects that attempt to breathe deeply and find themselves unable to do so, creating a sensation of resistance, which, uh, which the threat-activated vigilan uh, vigilance system interrupts or interprets as an unearthly being sitting on their chest, threatening suffocation. The sensation of entrapment causes a feedback loop where the fear of suffocation increases as a result of continued helplessness, causing the subjects to struggle to end the SP episode. Uh, sleep paralysis is mainly diagnosed via a clinical interview and ruling out other potential sleep disorders that could account for the feelings of paralysis. Several measures are available to reliably diagnose or screen for uh, recurrent isolated sleep paralysis. Now let's get into the folklore of it, though, a little bit. Because that's all fine and good for clinical explanations and whatnot. But we're a creepy show, right, folks? We like the spooky. We like the weird. We like the unexplained. We like the folklore. We like the urban legends. So let's, let's go the night hag. The night hag is a generic name for a folklore creature found in cultures around the world and which is used to explain the phenomenon of sleep paralysis. A common description is that a person feels a presence of supernatural malevolent being which immobilizes the person as if standing on the chest. And the phenomenon goes by many names. In Albanian folk beliefs, the Mokothi is believed to be a male spirit with a golden fez hat who appears to women who are usually tired or suffering and stops them from moving. It is believed that if they can take his golden hat, he will grant them a wish, but then he will visit them frequently, although he is harmless. These are talismans that can provide protection from the Mokothi. Uh... And one way is to put one's husband's hat near the pillow while sleeping. Uh, uh, Mokothi, or Makthi, Makthi. Actually, it's Mokthi or Makthi in Albanian means nightmare. Uh, in Bengal folk and and Bengali folklore, sleep paralysis is believed to be caused by a supernatural entity called Boba. 
Boba attacks a person by strangling him when the person sleeps in a supine position. In Bengal, the phenomenon is called Boba Dore, uh, which translates to struck by Boba. Uh, we already talked about uh, the Cambodian ones um, and Egypt being the jinn. Italy, uh, though, ha- has a, a couple of them. In different regions of Italy, there are many examples of supernatural beings associated with sleep paralysis. In the regions of March and Abruzzo, it is referred to as pandafasce uh, or uh, pantafasci. Or, uh, fish, fisha, attack. Anyways, usually refers to an evil witch, sometimes a ghost-like spirit or terrifying cat-like creature that mounts on the chest of the victims and tries to harm him. The only way to avoid her is to keep a bag of sand or beans close to the bed so that the witch will stop to count how many beans or sand grains are inside of it. A similar tradition is present in the Sardinian folklore, where the Amunatorde, um, Tadore, yeah, Valore, sorry, uh, <laughs> is known as a creature that mounts on the people's chest during their sleep to give them nightmares, and the change, uh, or, and it can change its shape according to the person's fears. In northern Italy, specifically in the Tyrol area, the trude is a witch that sits on the chests of people at night, making them unable to breathe. To chase her away, people should make the sign of the cross, something that would need a great struggle, or would be a great struggle to do in a situation of paralysis. A similar folklore is present in uh, Sanio area, around the city of Benvenido, uh, where the witch is called Janara. In southern Italy, sleep paralysis is usually explained with the presence of a sprite standing on people's chest. If the person manages to catch the sprite, or steal his hat, in exchange for his freedom, or to have his hat back, he can reveal the hiding place of rich treasure. This sprite has different names in different regions of Italy. Uh, uh, Monticello in Campania, Monticello in uh, Basilicata, and Loradu in Scusmarelli in Apulia. I, this is a fucking, I need spelling. Somebody needs to learn when they send me stuff to, to sound it out. Uh, anyways, in Newfoundland, the sleep paralysis is referred to as the old hag, and the victims of a hagging are said to be hag-ridden upon wa- awakening. Victims report being completely conscious but unable to speak or move and report a person or an animal which sits upon their chest. See, I keep hearing animal and whatnot, and the one mentioned a cat. Do you guys remember that old movie, Cat's Eye? Right? Um... It was a, a a a series like it was a um, it was a movie, but it was done anthology style, where kind of like all of the the movies were, all of the short stories were kind of tied together with an overarching, you know, plot. Um, and and one of them is uh, the this family gets a cat, and uh, 
they uh, the mother, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't want the cat in the house. Believes that cats steal your breath while you sleep. And at one point, um, the cat is actually sitting on the the girl's chest, but um, the parents come in and find it there, and they shoo the cat out. But the reason it was there is because there is a evil entity, like a little troll. Um, that has tied the girl to the bed um, and is standing on her chest sucking the breath out of her. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of that as I, I'm reading through this. It's really weird how this goddamn thing works because I can be completely in tune and thinking about everything that's going on here and what I'm supposed to be doing for the show and still running those background processes. And it's like, ooh, mention that. Ooh, mention that. Um, Nigeria has a myriad of interpretations of the cause of sleep paralysis. This is due to the very diverse culture and belief system that exists there. Uh, in the United States, sleep paralysis is sometimes interpreted as a space alien abduction. Um, various forms of magic and spiritual possession were also uh, advanced uh, as causes in literature. In the 19th century of, uh, of Europe, uh, the vagaries of diet were thought to be the, res- to be the responsible culprit. For example, in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story, Ebenezer Scrooge attributes the ghosts he sees to an undigested bit of beef, beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. In a similar vein, the Household Cyclopedia offers the following advice about nightmares. Great attention is to be paid to regularity and a choice of diet. Imperance of every kind is intemperance of every kind is hurtful, but nothing is more productive of this disease than drinking bad wine. Of edibles, those uh, eatables, it should it is how it reads. Of eatables, those which are most uh, pre- prejudicial are all fat and greasy meats and pastry. Moderate exercise contributes in a superior degree to promote the digestion of food and prevalent of and prevalent flatulence. Those, however, who are necessarily confined to sedentary occupation should particularly avoid applying themselves to study or bodily labor immediately after eating. Going to bed before the usual hour is a frequent cause of, uh, of nightmares, as uh, it either occasions the pa- I hate how old shit was written right the household encyclopedia 1881 their, their fucking language is goddamn broken and bastardized uh, but uh, as it either occasions the patient to sleep too long or to lie awake in the night passing a whole night or part of a night without rest likewise gives birth to the disease as it occasions the patient on the succeeding night to sleep too soundly, indulging in sleep too late in the morning, is almost a certain method to bring on the paroxysm, and the more frequently it will return, and the greater strength it acquires, 
the proprietary of sleep at this time is almost irresistible. J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan's, uh, the Peter Pan stories, may have had sleep paralysis. He said of himself, in my early boyhood, it was a sheet that tried to choke me in the night. He also describes several incidents in the Peter Pan stories that indicate that he was familiar with, awareness, with an awareness of a loss of muscle tone whilst in dreamlike states. For example, Mamie is asleep but calls out, what was that? It is coming nearer. It is feeling your bed with its horns. It is boring for, boring for you. And when the darling children were dreaming of flying, Barry says nothing horrid was visible in the air, yet their progress had become slow and labored, exactly as if they were pushing their way through hostile forces. Sometimes they hung in the air until Peter had beaten on it with his fists. Barry describes many parasomnias and neurological symptoms in his book and uses them to explore the nature of consciousness from an experiment. Uh, experimental point of view well what do you guys think is there something to it do sleep paralysis demons exist or is it a collection of trauma that is manifesting in subconscious and physical ways I don't know what I believe I know there's a lot more that we need to understand and that we should never stop learning we should never stop reaching for answers and trying to figure things out if you or a loved one suffers from sleep paralysis please ensure that uh, you take our look at things with a, uh, a grain of salt if we've made fun or cracked a joke that has rubbed you the wrong way we do apologize for that um, we try to present things in a fashion that is both informative and entertaining and if you learned anything from tonight, at least learn that you can be in control. It takes work and time, but you yourself can control your dreams. To an extent. Let's not get crazy. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me tonight. I'm glad you were here. It was a wonderful episode. I hope that uh, nothing I've talked about has frightened you too much and that you'll be able to get some rest tonight because, you know, it occasions the patient. That's it for us for tonight on the Cultivad. Don't forget we'll be back next week uh, with a brand new Cultivad Presents Case Closed. It is part two of the Chris Watts <clears throat> episode. And uh, for the rest of you, all I have to say is one thing and one thing only. Pleasant dreams.